today's episode, I will be speaking to Sean Leary, one of the original founders of the Rare Pepe crypto art collection alongside developer Joe Looney. Rare Pepes were created on Bitcoin and made it possible to buy, sell, trade, gift, and destroy digital artworks. It represented the first blockchain community where artwork could be transacted through the blockchain. The collection laid the foundation for the large communities that came with NFTs in the Ethereum ecosystem in the years to come. Here's Sean Leary. Alright, hey Sean, welcome to the show. Hey Henry, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, of course, it's great to have you on. So um, first, I just want to begin with your history and crypto. How did you first get introduced to Bitcoin? Gosh, um, I remember specifically an Ars Technica article that profiled the jalapeno Bitcoin miner, which was made by a company called Butterfly Labs. And I thought, man, I could just get this machine, throw it in my office, I'll start printing money. And it arrived like five months too late and Mm. was used already. And uh thing was so loud i actually got the 30 giga hash one which is a little bigger kind of like a, the size of a blow dryer and that's what it sounded mm. like and it heated up the office so bad and i did the math and after about a i think it was three days of mining i had made 28 dollars of bitcoin but i had spent about 20 dollars in electricity mm-hmm. because uh and so i just thought nope this isn't gonna work and it was too loud and then and, you know my, my wife was like get this thing out of here yeah, yeah, because it was right in the center of the house. So that was uh, my first little foray into it. I had also started a Bitcoin meetup at that time to try to meet more people in the area. I really wanted to buy the the, the hashing chips themselves, uh, the ASICs, and have and kind of do my own thing. And I mm-hmm. thought that I could find some people around in the area that would help. But uh, so I started the meetup. Didn't find anyone that was that into it, but um, just hung with it and held monthly meetings. All the way up into 2017, I I did the Jacksonville. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So you initially really got into it for mining. It was it was for the you, you saw the the utility and being able to sort of generate yeah generate some, yourself some wealth yeah like yeah, I, yeah yeah I should have just bought it. It's it's almost never better to mine it. It's almost always better unless you just have a ton of money and and. and no uh, cheap electricity and like have access to the best chips uh, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in yeah. china yeah so. all right so then how did um how did that eventually evolve into rare pepes how did that all begin oh uh, well uh late 2014 i heard about this project called Kara party and it's a open source protocol that runs inside of bitcoin so uh, think of it as a, a, a database that's stored inside of Bitcoin and uses Bitcoin addresses um, and, the, and the protocol itself. So you're still trying to get transactions into the block, like like with Bitcoin. Uh, but inside that transaction, in, in the part called op return, op underscore return, there's me giving you know a Pepe to you or creating one or issuing more of, of them. And so that started in late 2016 was when Rare Pepe's took off. Um, and it just, it kind of fit the meme, you know, cause the, the meme was like, how rare is this Pepe? You know, people would make their own. That was that was the the joke. And so now you could actually provably show like, hey, I only made 300 of these. So then people could buy them, trade them. Um, right. So it's just, yeah, the, the yeah, art so... part of it. Oh, go ahead. No, the, the art part of it just kind of took off and it became like an open, you know, kind of grassroots project where anyone could submit Pepe's and, 
Uh, yeah, that's what I was, I was just going to ask if, if it was open to everyone. Yeah, everyone everyone had to burn a little bit of Pepe cash, mm-hmm. which was part of it. And um, and then Mike, who curated most of the collection, you know, with, with some of our help, uh, and eventually towards the end, we, we curated it. But the uh, yeah, anyone could submit. And if it was, if we could tell it was dank, and if it was rare, mm-hmm. then we would it would get added to the to, to the directory and so is it fair to say that you guys were kind of the first crypto art market to ever exist i i would yeah yeah it's fair to say yeah um, there wasn't anything i know omni was uh, Rastercoin was being launched around the same time as counterparty a little bit later um but yeah we kind of took a fairly serious project and it still can be serious but when it comes to equities and owning securities, you really don't want to use a blockchain. You want to have a third party to, to verify that, you know, you don't have a hacker that owns 20% of Apple. Like that would mm-hmm. just, it wouldn't work. Yeah. And so we kind of took a really cool protocol and kind of turned it into a big, you know, big art uh, game uh, yeah. market. So, yeah. So how did they, um, how did the Rare Pepe's when you guys were first creating, how did, how did, all of that differ from um, the NFTs that most people are buying today and know well. Yeah, there, um, there weren't any. There was nothing out there like that. The only thing that predates it really was Spells of Genesis, um, which started in 2015 with a card called FD Card, which was sent out to people folding at home. It's called Fold at Home uh, project, where you basically rent out computer time much like bitcoin you're dedicating resources to a project and they send you work and you fold proteins and send the data back and so that that company was spells genesis it was a company that put it out and it was more of like a crowdfund kind of a marketing thing they were selling uh in-game assets that would be used when the game came out so certain spells or certain characters that sort of thing um so that's really where the idea of pepe's came came mike you know even said that right in the beginning you know Satoshi card was the one that everyone heard about and knew about. And I wanted it. I remember when one Satoshi card went for a Bitcoin. This is back when Bitcoin was like 600 bucks. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, man, one of those cards is sick. You know, it's a whole Bitcoin. So um, when Rare Pepe came, I was like, yeah, this could be, you know, and again, this is like a community of maybe a thousand people. Yeah. Very small. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we had like 300 people in these chats at, at first. I mean, it grew, but. I think even mm-hmm. the, the current Rare Pepe chat has about 2,000 people in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. The yes. Chat. So considering that you've been involved in, in Bitcoin and, and just crypto as a whole for, for so long, I want to know what, you, what your opinions are on some of the bigger picture uh, capabilities of, of crypto as a whole and its technology. Uh, Bitcoin is a revolution. You know, the, the internet and the crypto cypherpunks were looking for a way to send value over the internet. It's kind of like the last part of the protocol that needed to be solidified. And I think if you go back and look at um, the internet history or history of the internet, they, they even had, um, you know, parts of the protocol open for that, like that layer or that, that value transfer layer was coming. And there were, there were several attempts at it, but if you have a, a central actor it's not going to work. You know, the internet, mm-hmm. people don't trust each other. Countries don't trust each other. Banks don't trust each other. So it needs to be neutral. And Bitcoin really has taken that 
in terms of crypto itself, the whole I, I look at them as different. I think Bitcoin is like an outlier. It's kind of won the race. It's the digital gold. Um, and I think the other chains like Ethereum, there's some fun stuff on there. I don't know if long term if those will be able to scale. Uh, Bitcoin mm -hmm. is Bitcoin's blockchain is about a half a terabyte right now. Um, I don't even know Ethereum's. I don't know if anyone even knows how big Ethereum's is. Um, mm -hmm. I heard BSV just hit eight terabytes. Mm -hmm. and that was like the, the, the one of the Bitcoin splinters of uh, 2016, was it? Or 2015? So mm -hmm. during the block size wars. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a revolution. And I think, I think eventually everyone will own some Bitcoin, especially mm -hmm. the banks. You know, the mm -hmm. banks will, will use it. Yeah, and so, and you mentioned in your explanation just now, you mentioned digital gold. So, do you? How do you think Bitcoin relates or doesn't relate to gold? Well, it's a finite resource. Gold can be inflated forever. There's always going to be gold in the earth that they can pull up. I think it's around two, three percent a year. Bitcoin is hard capped, so but it, it but it kind of it can kind of be in that same commodity type class where. It's like gold, but you know, on superpowers because you can send it through the internet and mm -hmm. you can store it forever in, in cold storage and, and hopefully it's safe. You know, gold, you have a lot of overhead, uh, but it's, I think gold is the best comparator. There's just nothing else really to compare it to because it's, it's like when the internet came out, it's like, well, it's like, a, it's like a network of passenger pigeons that fly between the buildings and we can send notes <laughs> to each other. Like that, like there was just nothing before, you know, the internet came out. And I think same thing with Bitcoin. There, it's 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 in its own class. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, okay. So next, I just want to bring up how I think a lot of people um are kind of pushed away from Bitcoin, um, just because of the high volatility in crypto markets. So do you think we'll uh, ever reach a time that that Bitcoin becomes more stable, or um, consumers are able to adapt to? the volatility better i think it eventually it will become stable I mean, if you look at gold it's it does fluctuate but nothing like what bitcoin does right bitcoin saw almost 80 percent drawdown last year 70 80 percent um i think once it reaches a certain point maybe at the same market cap as gold so if you say gold's around 10 trillion if you know there's 19 million bitcoin right now if you did the math out of, i think it's around 500 to 600 thousand per Bitcoin, and then that would equal gold's market cap. And I think at that point, you'll start to see, you know, maybe a day to day, it could be used as a currency. I think right now, you pretty much have to jump from fiat to Bitcoin and back. If you're, you know, if you're in the third world, and you have access to banks, I think you're pretty much just using stable coins, which mm -hmm. is a stopgap, it gets people used to having a wallet on the seed phrase and kind of understanding. Um, but you know, stable coins are definitely not uh decentralized you know there's a central mm -hmm. actor that you have to trust and they can also blacklist your address and all sorts of things can happen so i think once bitcoin gets up in the 600 to a million each then it would probably be could be used as a currency but until then yeah it's just too crazy mm -hmm. so so you're saying that i i'm also kind of focusing on um if Bitcoin could be used for goods and services. So you're kind of saying that, that, I mean, overall, I don't think it really could right now as that efficiently just because of how 
volatile the market is but you're saying eventually there could be a time where eventually it, it, it eventually 100 percent will like it's mm -hmm. it's uh it's still in its price discovery phase maybe maybe sixteen thousand is it and then next year it'll be seventeen thousand. maybe five years down it'll be 80 i mean maybe this is the stable price you know mm -hmm. there's going to be eventually a market penetration but i mean banks don't really hold it yet you're going to yeah. have sovereign countries come and start holding it you mm -hmm. have a couple you know a couple little um, countries doing it now but um yeah i think it's here to stay and and you're gonna gonna see it gonna see it go up i mean i, I mean michael saylor talks about 10 million you know, being kind of a conservative estimate per bitcoin so once it gets to a certain price it'll be more stable but uh, you know will lightning network scale you know could that be used once you know mm -hmm. one sat is you know one penny or one dollar is it gonna you know even out then we'll see but right now yeah, yeah you, you can't you can't expect someone in a village to like oh, i gotta go pay my mortgage you know and it's like 50 mm -hmm. percent it's gone before he walks over to you know pay uh it just doesn't work yeah. right now so, yeah but. yeah so um in your opinion what do you think some bear like the of the main barriers uh of entry for bitcoin are for consumers well i think there's just a learning curve um i think the cash app is really good if, if if i have a new person i say just get the cash app it has a lightning network wallet in there it needs to be just seamless it needs to be just so simple to use and we're still i mean you talk about a hardware wallet to someone and sending bitcoins to this little device that they keep in their safe it's a lot i mean it's a mm -hmm. lot of responsibility and it's a big leap of faith and i don't think everyone's going to have the ability to really learn it as yeah. well i think it's going to be just you know 20 30 percent of the population that really kind of gets it and gets kind of their, their their feet dirty but hands dirty but i don't i don't know it's a great it's a great question i think just simpler apps and just time mm -hmm. they want to trust it now you have ftx that just imploded and everyone associates that with bitcoin but it had nothing to do with bitcoin but it kind of does it's in the same you know so you're going to scare people away for a while and it's going to take time and um so yeah, I think mm -hmm. just over time. Okay, yeah. And uh, my last question is just, um, let's say tomorrow there's just a huge random push for Bitcoin and all of a sudden a ton of U US citizens start using Bitcoin in their everyday lives. Um, what issues, if any, do you think would arise from that? Well, I, I mean, I think with inflation happening, like, all the macro ingredients are there for Bitcoin to be successful. Uh, just people are a little scared right now with the FTX thing. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think if obviously if everyone woke up tomorrow and said, "Hey, I need to buy some Bitcoin," you know, price would go go crazy. You know, mm -hmm. you look at the state of Florida, twenty million people, right? Not everyone can buy a whole Bitcoin. Like it's literally impossible. So yeah. you'll see a massive squeeze. You know, at that point, if, if mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what will what will cause that. Maybe if China comes out and says we've been stacking Bitcoin, we've been mining it like <laughs> crazy. I mean, um, to try to get around the dollar, maybe they might. You know, the Swift Network and all those. Um, uh, you know, the the uh, kind of the legacy pipes, if you will, the financial pipes that we're you know because we're, we're always been in kind of like an economic war you know, with Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, obviously with Russia, it's bad, but I know about when they invaded uh, Crimea, I think they turned off all their access to like Visa credit cards and SWIFT mm -hmm. network and all that. So 
Um, Bitcoin can can kind of bring some peace, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it really will. That's you know that's when you really get into it and start to appreciate what it can do is is what's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great speaking to you today. Yeah, anytime, Henry. All right. Yeah. See ya. See you later.